You know, it's we usually try to start this with a, you know an upbeat attitude with that you know big bumper music at the beginning where it's pretty cheerful and upbeat and loud and obnoxious and constantly has to be turned down by me in post. But I, I can't help but feel like this is kind of a somber moment. Yeah, it's over. We're saying goodbye to the closest friend I've ever had. It's finally over. The World Cup. We got there, didn't we? But I can't believe it. It's a bittersweet moment. That's it's it really is because I mean you just and it starts you're like man we have the whole tournament ahead of us. How are we gonna get all of these this information on all these teams? And at the end, now we're just here. There's, there's one there's, team left. There's one winner and thirty one losers. Well, not quite. There's one winner and about what is it two hundred and three losers if you want to include everybody that tried to qualify. 203 losers. Well, yeah, otherwise, you know, the U.S., Italy aren't losers in this situation. Exactly. Everyone's a loser except for France. Every World Cup, we go through it. Everyone's All 32 teams are winners for making it this far. Everyone has a shot. Not an equal shot, but everyone has a shot. And in the end, it's the one champion. And this year, France pulled it out with a 4-2 victory over Croatia. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting game, but before... Before we get there, we have to do, and this is going to be in-depth tactical analysis of the third place game. I'm talking. We've got big interviews. We've got we've got great highlight analysis. Everything you could possibly want from the third place game. You ready? Really? Yeah. <laughs> the third yeah. place game. Yeah. I mean, Belgium absolutely dominated this one, and they're third place champions. Congratulations to Belgium. And that's all we have on and the third place game. Thank hey, you. It's our thank- analysis. Very in-depth. Leave your thoughts. Fantastic stuff. All right, on to the final. This was this was interesting because uh, you know for all the talk about the Croatian tired legs, the, one of the things that I, I feel like I may have even neglected to say last time was that I, I know I did say that it's a final anything can happen, but in a final you just you don't feel the legs in the same way you just don't. It, Croatia especially early on in that game they came out with an absolute flurry of attacks. They had they completely dominated the first fifteen minutes or so before France kind of caught them on the counter and. Just it turned the game upside down with their set piece, and of course the World Cup of set pieces had to have a set piece in the final. Emmett is uh, rolling his eyes at me. No, oh, I'm kind of just staring off into the distance because, yeah, you're right. Croatia looked really good here in the in the early going, and Griezmann dives and gets the foul. Uh, Griezmann, I, yeah, this is was, okay. There was contact, but the the boy was laying on the ground at that point. Yeah, the, <laughs> it was the, not not the best. He goes down. Uh, before the challenge from Brozovic even comes, and he gets the foul. Okay, it's 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 not like a VAR moment because it's it doesn't fall under the categories. You know, it's a free kick further out. It's on a, it's on a card. Um, and in the end, it wasn't even France that puts it in. Yeah, it's Mario Mandzukic who gets a pretty hard luck own goal. It's actually the first own goal in World Cup final history, which I thought was interesting. I you just figure with how many there have been. Like thirty? Yeah, you would think by now there would have been one, right? And just out of sheer bad luck, out of like, no, this is the first one. There's your first sheer bad luck. And honestly, this was we, we mentioned this could be a very low scoring affair like previous finals. Or yeah. if France gets one, it'll open up and goals will start coming, which is what happened here. Uh you, you can't help but feel sorry for Croatia because these the first two goals they concede are about as unfortunate as they come. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially the sort set piece, right? Because to this point, Croatia was looking really good. It looked like they finally, they they had got exactly what they wanted. Remember, we talked about France was okay with kind of sitting back 
and letting Croatia possess the ball. But Croatia definitely had the early tempo and kind of had the game where they wanted it. It's the problem is when the France finally broke, Croatia couldn't keep them out. And again, it, it does come unfortunately for Croatia from a bit of a dive, but you know there's 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 there's, there's contact right. And so because there's contact, it's gonna the VAR will never overturn it. Well, no, it's just VAR doesn't work in situations like that. Well, you can't overturn well, fouls it, in the middle could, of the field. You could overturn like a serious. No, that's what I'm saying. You would have to. It's like, not on the VAR list. A VA, yeah, you could overturn so if it was a clear and obvious error. Not just it has. It's for penalties, red cards, um, goal score goals, uh, and mistaken identity. It's not for free kicks outside the area, dives, yellow cards. Unfortunately, because that would just slow the game down, right? They well, look at every single foul. It was a dive. He goes down. There's, the contact doesn't come until he drags his legs, and then the contact is is um, initiated once he's already basically on the ground. It was a dive. It doesn't matter what happened there. It doesn't matter if it wasn't a dive because you still have to keep it out. You still have to keep it out. And the funny thing is, with all the big bodies that France has, it's Mandzukic that ends up scoring it for Croatia, which is, again, kind of unfortunate, bad luck, bad timing for them. Then we have the, the the game's first yellow card given to N'Golo Kante in the 27th minute. Now, Emmett is a... We've already had a discussion about this. And Emmett is is just absolutely appalled that I wouldn't give a yellow here. And I'm, I'm sticking by that. I, I think it was a very soft yellow in this situation. Because for me, he's not gone. He's not in a counterattacking position anymore. He's already surrounded by three people. And Kante just barely clips him in the heel. It's not a yellow for me. So here's the thing. There, there was... Um... There, there was definitely... It's uh, a foul. It's absolutely a foul before anybody, like, jumps on it. It's, it's clearly a foul. And so here's and here's why it's a yellow card, though. Okay, he fouls him. The yellow card wasn't for the for the strength of the foul. It was for the situation. Yeah, Perisic had just run by his defender, and Conte, not, not wasn't purposefully, but his, his he clips Perisic. He clips his heel so Perisic can't run. He falls... As what happens when your you know your heels get clipped, and um, and it's and it's called. I, I I think it's a perfectly fine situation. He was running at the back line, and Conte gets a yellow. It's unfortunate as well, about as unfortunate yellow card as it comes because he's not doesn't mean to clip his heels. It's just Perisic's feet feet come back, and Conte's a little too close to him. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have to agree to disagree. I think he's surrounded. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I wouldn't have given the yellow. Definitely a foul. Definitely a foul because he definitely clips the heels. And it's kind of unlike Angolo Conte in that sense because very rarely does he ever accidentally foul anybody. If he fouls somebody, it's usually because, all right, well, man or ball, the ball's already gone. Got to bring him down. You can- and he and he rarely is beaten like that. The situation was more here. The, the touch has gone past him. And um, he's, he's I think he catches up to him if that doesn't happen because he's that quick. The, the real problem was that it was it was an – it was completely incidental. Yeah, and so the, the thing is, uh, the, the reports came out that Conte's basically been dealing with the, the flu. Something like that. Like, and that's why he's been, uh, he had a weak final, all things a, considered. Well, not Angolo-like performance for most of it. He was definitely not as involved as normally he normally would be outside I, of this play. I thought he was poor in this game. I didn't. He I, had a lot of giveaways. Um, uh, the foul, I, I'm completely fine. The, the foul isn't really his fault. Uh, but some giveaways, didn't really get a lot of good tackles, a couple other fouls. So right off of that is when uh, Croatia get their goal then because uh, Ivan Perisic puts a pretty good one in the corner there and gets Croatia right back in it. So now the game, okay, we talked about, right, it was worst case scenario for Croatia opening up the game like that. 
because you wanted to keep France scoreless about as long as you could. Then they kind of they get this big moment for them because being able to equalize the game and you know not even it's about ten minutes later about ten minutes later to be able to equalize the game it really it really I think put a lot of uh, Croatian players at ease until ten minutes later the game the next game's next goal comes off of a handball and Antoine Griezmann buries the penalty that comes from that now it's the first ever use of VAR at the World Cup final and it's used to determine the, the handball the referee uh, I don't blame him for taking I know there were some critics critics out there of him for taking the taking too much time at the replay monitor but I, I honestly I can't I, I can't like justify being mad at him for taking too long it's the World Cup final and I'm, I'm glad he went to take a look because I thought at first he might not go take a look, right? So that was always my big thing with the referees is if they go and take a look and they still come back and they maintain their call, then I then I guess I, ha- I can't have too many complaints, right? Because at that point, they've taken it all on themselves to say, nope, no, you know what? I still don't see it. I think I got it, yeah. Yeah, I think I got it right. Like, it's not an ego thing where they're just like, nope, I'm not going to go look at it. I know what I saw. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. And then he, he actually he, he steps away from the monitor after a few minutes. And then he, step, he takes a couple steps towards the field and then it turns around and goes and looks one last time. I, I have to think he'd already made his mind up for handball. But I like to think that there's a world out there where he was where he was he decided con- no penalty. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll look at it again. One, goes one. back and looks at it and then says, OK, handball Some, <laughs> for like five it, seconds. The yeah. dramatic part of the movie where he's going to go back and call no handball. And then somebody goes, wait, 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 there's one more look. And then he looks at it and he goes, penalty. Damning evidence. Yeah, so uh, great use of VAR there. Griezmann does bury the penalty, kind of puts some of the demons to bed from that uh, Champions League final penalty that he missed a few years ago against Real Madrid. And he celebrates in the most Antoine Griezmann style, the Fortnite L. Take the L. Take the L. He's, um, yeah, so France up 2-1. Uh, again, so uh, unfortunate for Croatia because I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of pretty. I don't know. I guess a clever play from Blaise Matuidi, who's at the near post on it was a corner kick, I believe. He ducks under the ball instead of flicking it on, and Perisic, who just scored seconds earlier uh, with that goal for Croatia, is the one who handballs it. And his arm isn't like by his side, but it's not completely up. It's like kind of out in a weird angle, which is why it's a good call. But he can't say until the last second. So he, he sees Matuidi just drop his head, and then it's too late to move his arm out of the way, and it hits it. He's in no man's land there at that point. He's already in the air, his hands are like... In, yeah, like... A fairly natural position, all things considered. He, he doesn't have his arm up, like... When you're jumping, it's yeah. it's normal that your arms aren't going to be on your side. Try jumping with your arms glued to your side. It's difficult. A lot of players try to do it as best they can, but you, you don't get the same elevation. Yeah, so all things considered, unfortunate. I do think it was the right call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, he goes to VAR. He better get it right. Yeah, you have to get it right. And I'm glad VAR gets this one right. Uh, so second half, going then in the most, perhaps one of the more shocking substitutes in quite some time by DDA Deschamps. He subs off N'Golo Kante. Uh, I mean, it, it's not it's not bad. Obviously, they go on to win. So it's hard to, it's hard to even like sit here and question it. But it, it would have been interesting if this game had gone just a little bit differently, how people would, may you, have reacted. You would have to question it no matter what. The thing is, I personally thought that Conte was poor this game. I think it did have, it probably had something to do with him being sick. He looked a little bit lackadaisical, a little I, bit slower, not very good on the ball. He has the yellow. That that was my thing, right? I figured that would be the reason. Even Conte, even playing badly, probably stays out there. It's not until it's if he if he hadn't had the yellow at that point, I'm not sure he comes off until later. If at all. That's possible. He did have a couple other fouls where he just is a little bit slower than he usually would be. Uh, but Nzanzi comes on and 
I mean, it looks he pretty much shores things up for them at if that you, point. If you ever had any doubt as to how much talent France has, especially in their midfield, that was a showcase right there. Angolo Conte, the best midfielder at doing what he does, comes off the game, and it, it, you didn't, you barely noticed it for France. Because they do have guys like I mean, I think Tolisso had already come on for Matuidi, uh, but they do have Tolisso who comes on and works hard. They have Nzanzi who comes on and has I I think, but from his time in Stoke. He came to Sevilla, kind of had a tough time, but has really settled in. And I think if you had, were been watching the Premier League for the past five years, Steven Nzanzi, you'd remember as an absolute brute with no ability. <laughs> now, he, he's a, he, he can be kind of a general on the ball. Sit back in front of the defense, distribute. And plus, it's a perfect situation for him to come in here and let's, all right, let's, let's lock this one in. And let's... I thought he was uh, phenomenal coming into a World Cup final and locking things down. Yeah, he had a he had a good performance. Croatia actually. only scored one more goal off of that, and I think it'd be tough to blame that one on Nzanzi. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Pogba scores a few minutes later, gives it the three uh, one. Interestingly enough, he takes the I can't remember which shot, which foot he used on which, but he used both feet to take shots in this situation. He hits the right, blocked. The ball comes out. He hits it with his left, and it was interesting because he did he hit that shot with his right. It shows he's a pretty two play, two footed player. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting situation because you don't see it very often. Yeah. A player having to shoot with both feet in basically the same sequence. But, like, it was odd because whoever it was on Croatia blocks it. It might have been, like, Lovren or Vita. And because they turn around because it's just a rocket. And it hits them and it slowly trickles to Pogba because all the three Croatian players around it turn for the block. And it just happens to go right back to him. And so he has enough time to make an open shot. Uh, I think Subasic. I don't know what he's doing. He leans the wrong way. I I wanted to ask you because I mean, remember Subasic had sort got kind of got dinged up in the last couple games, and I was wondering if he may have been if he was a hundred percent. It looked to me like he wasn't. He was just a little bit slower than he normally is. That you mentioned him leaning the wrong way. I that thought was, I think that's it here. Huh? I think that's all it is in this situation. I don't think it's anything with him being dinged up. He didn't have a a great final. I mean, four goals. Okay. One own goal, not much he can do. Penalty, not much he can do there. This one, I would say, I would say he should be doing better. It, only because he's leaning in a situation where there's there's really no point to lean. He's Pogba's outside the 18. It's got to be a perfect shot to beat you if you're set in a position. But for some reason, despite the fact that the ball's rolling to his right to Pogba, he's going left as if he's anticipating the shots going to come across him. Where he has that's where he has his defenders blocking him. So. I, I was very confused about his decision to lean to his left there, and it makes the shot look really good, but in reality, I think that's a comfortable save if he's set in position and has time to just, you know, collapse dive to his right and parry it away. So it's basically now it's all falling apart for Croatia, and then about six minutes later, it's Mbappe from Lucas Hernandez to put the game on ice at that point. Mbappe scores again, leaving Subasic looking just kind of distraught. Not this one. Not so much. I think anybody really would have done, but he again kind of gets just caught standing there, and I'm sure that is, that's not going to feel too good in the tape event when he eventually is able to watch it. I don't know how long it's going to be for him. But then, of course, as this World Cup just is just kept on giving, it gave us one last uh, nice little twist before sending us off, and that was Hugo Lloris with the ball in front of his own net decides that Mario Mandzukic is coming after him, and decides not to put it out of bounds. Not to just, you know, blast it. it up the field. Not to just kick it backwards for a corner, which, you know, was also a possibility that I wouldn't recommend. But, I mean, it was better than what ended up happening, which is he he basically just gives it to Mandzukic. And Mandzukic scores the easiest goal of his entire professional career. Now, I do want to be, have it known 
this isn't as easy as it looks. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How many times have you seen a goalie try to clear it and the defender make a block this and is... it goes behind for a goal kick? It's yeah, he doesn't have to do anything. I guess what you're saying, but he does the hard work. He closes him down. He sticks his foot out to block it. And it's, it's just you could say in some words it's fortunate the ball went in the net, but you're and I was thinking at the time when it happened that there's been this movement in goalies in the past maybe seven years to become more of an outfield player and play with the ball at your feet. So at times I think that it's a great strategy. I blame Pep Guardiola. I don't blame Pep for this one. <laughs> um, but I get what you mean. Uh, I blame Manuel Neuer. <laughs> I blame it, Pep. I blame Steph Curry for the threes in the NBA. I blame. I, I have a lot of blame for people. I blame fair. Bryce Harper for that's fair. the current surge yeah. in guys who only strike out or hit home runs. And walk. Not not judge in that one. Not judge. Now Aaron Judge, who's that? Okay, well we're gonna step back to soccer for a second. But I, I get what you mean. The the thing is, you can't help but think about it and think you're the, you're the last player. You usually are positioned right in front of the goal. Why would you ever take on a four? And I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes I'll fake <laughs> and I'll touch it past the forward. And you think about it, the reward is pretty minimal for a massive risk. And so I can't help but think, okay, why why has this even become a thing? I don't know. Because it really is kind of way too risky to be even thought about, right? It's It, it really is because you mentioned the, the high risk, high reward thing. Best case scenario, you're booting it down the field. Best case scenario, you bypass the press and you midfield can, and your defenders can play past the forward line and you can get the ball up to midfield of possession before the other team gets their you know forces back. And kind Mind of- you, France is also up 4-1 at this point. Yeah. So there's there, there's no like there's no like uh I guess I shouldn't say pressure because it's, it's a World Cup final so there's always pressure but like there's no there's no urgency from Lloris here when all he has to do is just kick the ball off the field you lose possession it's not great but like it's, it's better fine. than that you lose possession in the other half you're of the field. Pre- you're pressured by a forward and there's no one else in your half of the field you know you can just play it Boot off it. as someone yeah. needs to be there for an outlet pass and no one is and so I get the idea of wanting to play it short I still think. Playing the ball short is a good idea as a keeper, and it should be your first priority, and it should usually work. Um, I mean, we saw with um, Caballero for Argentina against uh, Croatia again, Ooh. a similar situation. Th- that's that was, that's that, another that, situation of playing it short, but he kind of just miffs it. You can you can ship it over players to like a wing back or a fullback on the touchline and have plenty of space. The thing is, though, and uh, you you make a point, but remember that the um, the forward who finished it there. Rebic. Rebic. He at least had to take a pretty decent shot to score it from there. Manzukic just sticks his foot out. Manzukic literally just touches it in. Locks so, it in, yeah. So Lloris has had a howler here, but luckily for Lloris, unlike every other goalkeeper who's had this, so De Gea, Caballero, Muslera, Muslera, and there may have been others, but those three are the ones that jump out in everyone's mind right now. All of them lost their games, or in the case of De Gea, they tied 3-3. And, uh, I mean, the Ronaldo game that everyone remembers, right? It's it, it, Lloris will be lucky that this game is now just 4-2. Yeah. And that the preceding few minutes where Croatia kind of had a little bit of momentum, they didn't score. There was a had, few minutes after that. Where had they Croatia had scored, one. there would have been chaos in that French team. I can guarantee because at that point, you're, you're, everyone's turning around looking at the goalkeeper like, what are you doing? And everyone's kind of on edge at that point because it's just now the, your your three goal lead has disappeared in a and matter. It's now of a one goal lead. So it's, that but that didn't happen. It's so yeah. There were a couple of minutes. 
uh, chances for Croatia. Loris will be lucky to be able to look back on this and laugh. Yeah. I think every other goalie we mentioned will look back at this and have nightmares. That's but true. Loris can look back and, you know, his teammates will be like, oh, remember that time in the World Cup final he tried to dribble around a player? You nut, Loris. <laughs> you madman. Yeah, you're, you're silly. Other, other players, I don't think anyone's going to be making jokes with Muslera or De Gea no. or Caballero about those mistakes. No, especially, yeah, you think about it, like Muslera and Caballero, they've been around a while. Not that De Gea hasn't, right? But uh, those two especially. They're veterans. I've been around quite some time. To do that, not not great. To be fair, though, I think Muslera's was more of, a, more of a technical mistake. His feet aren't set. Whereas Willie's was like you know bad decision. It was it was a, it was a worse it was more of a decision and you can always 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 in my mind criticize poor decision making well over poor technical ability. Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's it. France go on to win the game four two after that Mandzukic uh, kind of goal. It's six goals in the World Cup finals, the most uh, in quite some time. But it's also the six goals equal the the um, total amount of goals scored in the 2014, 2010. 2006 and 2002 finals all put together i kind of like finals that are a little bit more uh a little more defensive and a little more tactical this was i think it had the potential to be more that way but once the first goal happened you know things were going to open up croatia gets that next goal it's 1-1 you think this game is not going to end 1-1 sometimes it's 1-1 and especially in croatia's previous games you think this this is probably going to end 1-1 right yeah, and in basically the entire run of the tournament, when when it's at that point in regular time, you're like, okay, it's getting 90 minutes at one one. This one, we're like, yeah, there's at least three, four more goals in this game. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was an entertaining final for sure. Definitely a different kind of final than the one we've experienced certainly in the last three, because you go back to 2002, it was a Brazil two nothing win, pretty much a, a dominant victory from end to end. You go back to 2006, the penalty shootout between Italy and France that had two goals within the first like 20 minutes and then no one scored again the battle of johannesburg in 2010 where iniesta doesn't score until extra time and same with 2014 where uh, mario gutza doesn't score until extra time for germany it was definitely a different kind of final and i don't really mind that we've had a lot of finals like that i feel like in recent times where everyone's just kind of on edge and not a lot of goals are scored go back to the 2016 european championship final where uh, Portugal defeat France 1-0. You can go back to the yeah. Copa Centenario that year penalties. where it went to penalties. Yeah. Te- teams really don't want to concede goals like this and lose finals in this way. It really does take, you know, a, a weird penalty, uh, a deflected own goal for these things to open up. Because um, at that point, all bets are off. Like, okay, well, Croatia couldn't sit back and Croatia had to go take the game to Argentina, uh, to France, and they did. And things open up. And then France had to take things back to Croatia. Because they don't want to let the you know just absorb pressure for sixty minutes, so uh, I think this was though a final and all all things considered that was pretty representative of the tournament in general. Not a lot Weird. of shut not a lot of shutouts, VAR penalties, own goals, own uh, goal set pieces. Top score of the tournament. Oh, don't go there. Top score of the tournament. Own, own goal. goal was not top. Goal was the top score <laughs> oh of the tournament. God. Own goal. Mar- Mario Mandzukic. That's why I said Mario. Oh my gosh. <laughs> had uh, he had won. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that after this World Cup, we're going to see um, a couple more years where this kind of French sit-back and counter-attack style where you have very, I'd say, enticing attacking opportunities. Games are going to have three, four goals in international soccer, which we weren't, aren't exactly used to seeing. 
uh, given the tentative nature of tournaments. I think this might happen for another few years, but I think after a while we are going to return to, okay, let's defend first. Let's not give them these opportunities. Let's not try to take on the forward as he's barreling towards my goal. Yeah, it's a completely different story, but let's let's usually not try to dribble past the forward like that. Yeah, um, and so, talking about we I've, we've been trying to do this for every team, right? And so where where we're going from here? We'll start with Croatia. Croatia, unfortunately for them, this is probably it. This was if it was ever going to happen. Unfortunately for them, this was probably it because Mandzukic will be is 32. He'll be 36 at the time of the next World Cup. No uh, Perisic, he'll be 33. Probably, uh, probably not. He's a pretty quick player. Uh, Ivan Rakitic is 30, 34. Again, Unlike- possible, but unlikely. unlikely. Modric, he's 32. He'll be 36. I, I mean, he's a great player, but I can't see him lasting to 36. Uh, yeah, he's a good technical player, so it's possible that he perhaps can take a more limited role. But again, that's asking a lot. I think he'll it'll, it'll, it'll have a lot of players having to cover up for him. The, the the team really does fall then onto kind of the two that I would think were kind of given the the role of cupbearer in the past few years to Modric and to Rakitic, which is Marcelo Brozovic and Mateo Kovacic. Brozovic got significant time in this tournament, uh, and I think he a lot of people were pretty impressed that he was able to pretty seamlessly fit in with. Um, with Rakitic and Modric. And the guy is more of an attacking midfielder, mind you. And he yeah. played defensive mid this whole tournament and was serviceable at at worst. He's, he, was, they, he was serviceable in that midfield. They definitely, he fit in very well. They definitely won't be falling off a cliff completely. But, let's say, you know, Rebic, he's 24, he'll be 29, so he'll be in the prime of his career during the next tournament. Uh, but he's not exactly a guy they're relying you on. You don't want to rely on him, but it's all it's not a bad piece to have around. They'll so. have... You know, They'll have Virasalico, who'll be in the prime of his career, well, just at the end of the prime of his career at 30 years old. You would think that if he puts it together like everyone seems to think he will, it he looks like he's there. Listen, if, he, if he's playing now, he'll be playing four years from now. 30 is not a point where people start falling off yet. Um, Lovren so, should, Lovren's not that old. Uh, he could stick around. He's not exactly, he's exactly relying on pace. Both the center backs are 29. 29. So they could, well, they could both be around, but... You know that 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 varies. That, Vita's that, that. a bit of a pacier fellow. Uh, I could see him being a little bit uh, falling off a little bit faster. Thirty-three is not terrible. We've seen guys like Ronaldo be able to keep up the top speed. Company was what thirty-two. Like one more year isn't make not, a huge it's, difference. It's they, possible, but we're, I'm putting out a lot of money right here, a whole nickel that. Uh, I'm going to guess that this Croatia team is going to see a big turnover in the next World Cup. Yeah, they will definitely have some different players out there. Uh, they'll definitely, you know, again, some will probably look back and say, man, you know, that that was that was it right there. The golden generation of Croatia. We talked a lot about the golden generation of, of Belgium. This is basically it for Croatia's. This is their golden generation. Yeah, they're a smaller country. Everyone kind of talked about they're the second smallest country to be in a final. Um I don't think that's always a great representation because we'd have India-China finals all the time then. Exactly. But um, it's reasonable to think they'll have some better players. I do think that we've seen a moment where the footballing academies and ability in Croatia has kind of fallen off a little bit. So we'll see if their youth kind of picks up. Teams like Dinamo Zagreb can kind of return to some glory that they've had in the past. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we talk about like this was their chance. Are we really going to say that losing in a final to this French team is no. like a failure, right? This is it's, it's absolutely. And I tell you what, my you want to look at like you know fans that really have passion. 
go look at when Croatia got back to you know their yeah. country and watch as they couldn't even get to where they were supposed to be going. It was people like, they, you, they would act like they basically had won the final. Twenty percent of the population was there to congratulate them, Congre- and really, all things considered, given where I think most people expected before the tournament, except for maybe Darren Zaslow, who gave them his dark choice, <laughs> dark horse pick. I think it'd be tough to predict Croatia in this final at the beginning of the tournament. Exactly. So they they absolutely deserve some praise, and you know, again, it won't be easy now. In a couple of years' time, I'm sure people will be able to look back and say, "Hey, you know what? Though that team that went to the World Cup final—that's the inspiration for the future to put together another team that can eventually go back." And that'll be good for Croatia because then they will have that chance to uh, to build up like that. Much more, yeah. So much now to the other side. Much congratulations goes out to the the Blues, who the Le Blues, the the Le Blues, yeah. What? Yeah, the Le Blues. The little the, like the Blues. The, yeah, that's where I was. Talking yeah, about that. okay. Um, I mean. This is a young team. That, is, I think that's the scariest part, right? The the youth in this team. That we could fully expect this exact lineup, to, except for maybe Blaze Matuidi, to be out here in the next World Cup. Yeah, and Giroud. And Giroud, Giroud and Matuidi, who are maybe the not the sexiest names on this team sheet, but they're certainly ones that do some of the most work. Uh, not trying to say, you know, guys like Conte don't do a lot of work, but these are guys who do a lot of dirty work. Uh, but, I mean... Would you be worried if you're France? You have Quarantine Toliso, who's basically came in and did uh, the same job as Matuidi, maybe not to the same extent, uh, but was was good. You got plenty of players who can kind of fit in in the midfield coming up. Is it? I mean, Bakayoko's French, right? Is it too ridiculous to think that maybe he could be a? <laughs> yeah, by that time Bakayoko will have developed into an animal. Same with uh, Kurt Zuma. Chelsea going to develop the entire French national team by themselves. Good for. I mean, yeah. So. The, pr- the thing is, will they be motivated after this? We've seen so many teams who've won the tournament in the next World Cup just can't do it. Right. You go back to the 98 team, the French team that went on to win it, didn't they made it to the quarterfinals of the 2002. Brazil in 2006 went out in the group. Uh, then uh, Italy didn't make it out of the group in 2010. Spain didn't make it out of the group in 2014. And this time Which around... He doesn't make it out of the group. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is kind of a weird... Uh, curse that's going around uh, maybe we need a couple more World Cups for that to be an official curse but it's definitely an odd trend there's that's, three at the group stage I believe yeah three in a row now in a row uh, granted we do I think we did see with uh, those teams it's uh, Italy Spain and Germany more of a sense of the players kind of getting older uh, and being maybe too I don't I don't think the German team is that old but you kind of lo- you kind of lose some of that stuff with um the players who are older kind of slow down a bit. It's Again, hard. I don't exactly see it that way with, I mean, Spain and Germany. It's not exactly like um, Germany was throwing out the oldest team out there. Yeah, no, it, it's hard. That that one of they the things, one of the hardest things to do is repeat in any sport, right? Yeah. Repeating in any sport is difficult. Repeating in a sport where you, there are four years between competitions, so much changes. We have, as much as we were sitting here talking about, oh, four years, you know, where's this guy going to be? Where's this guy going to be? You just don't know. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you got everyone wrong. Yeah, you, it's, it's it's very that possible. Hard. It's that like, hard. You could, like, for example, we were talking about like, yeah, Modric probably not, but is it completely out of the question? Of course not. Every, especially the way athletes are these days, where players' careers are going longer and longer. People are finding more ways to reinvent themselves than He's ever. He's not a before. physical player. It's not. It's not out of the question, right? So we don't know. We're just, you know, you can only throw your, you know, a good guess forward. 
So in terms of where, like, so the, for example, we were looking at the World Cup betting odds for 2022, and I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of funny, I guess. Sorry, like, yeah. If that you're already putting World Cup odds out there, but like, there were some pretty good choices in my book that you could put like ten dollars on and say, well, well, you never know. Was it like eighty to one for the U.S. or something? The U.S. was eighty to one. I thought that was funny. It's and a good I was... bet, but we, I think we we mentioned Italy was eighteen to one. Italy was eighteen to one. I. Given for a team that didn't even qualify last time, I think it's a little early to uh, to do that. But, but I think but gonna... it's not a terrible bet, all things considered. Italy gets into the tournament, and suddenly you're not in the worst shape in the world because you know they're a good tournament team. Yeah, absolutely. But so like we well, they have to get out of the group stage too. They have a knack that's of true. getting they, you knocked get out, out of the too. group stage. So like France, the favorites right now, five to one. I mean, yeah, duh. I guess uh, put down ten bucks, you get fifty. Not exactly the best bet for, especially given. Ha- Anything can happen. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, Brazil seven to one, Spain fifteen to two, Germany eight to one. I mean, you get the idea, right? The, the usual suspects are up there. Belgium eleven to one. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's this one. I guess I could see. Like, get, we mentioned they should have most of their players back, barring you, anything crazy. It's it's possible, but you you just don't know how they'll gel in for you. Not that we know any, but like Argentina, I guess that's the one that's hanging me up here. Twelve to one. When Messi is no lock to be there, I I can't see it. That's uh, that's high for me. If I like, if you wanted to bet on Argentina, I tell you to just wait. Give it like two years. That's what I'm saying with. That's what I'm saying with all of these. You well, gotta wait until at least. Well, if you're putting down, if you want to make some like crazy money, because I mean, these they will forget about it in four years. Well, you'll forget it, and you'll know somebody. They, they have to like contact you. It's not like you're just like yeah. They, they, then they like just contact you. Oh, you've won a thousand dollars for yeah. betting on the U.S. to win. Like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Like, okay, I remember doing that. The Netherlands and England having the same odds to win the World Cup, twenty to one. So Netherlands has dropped off a bit. But when I do look at teams like Netherlands, Italy, and the U.S., I find it... We did talk about they didn't even qualify this time. But you'd have to think that given what happened last time, they're going to they're gonna be putting every single effort. Not that they hadn't, didn't last time, but they're going to be putting everything forward to qualifying. You cannot uh, be disqualified. Not disqualified. We cannot fail to qualify two th- World Cups in a row. I, I think the worst... These are teams that are going to be yeah. really, really Very motivated, motivated to get back in. I think the worst bet... On this list, other than Argentina, twelve to one, for them to be that high seems a bit crazy. But I guess if you they'll if have you big ex- turnover, yeah, we'll see. But so the worst bets here for me, Chile fifty to one, because I, I, I not only are they not a lock to make the next one, I would argue they probably won't be favorites, given to even qualify to even Excuse qualify. Me, yeah. So that's a pretty bold bet in and the, of itself. The problem with them is. I think their youngest player on their like starting lineup was like twenty eight. Most of their guys are in their thirties. That was their golden generation. I'm surprised they're not lower. Yeah, because I'm, I'm actually well, surprised. it's because they're looking at the names now. All things considered, that that we're not going to see a single name. I think that we've seen in the past from Chile. Let's in just the say the Confederations Cup. Cup roster. Yeah, probably not many. Or their qualification roster. Yeah, well, that... maybe some of the guys on the bench. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't really know. But there's no there's no new Alexis Sanchez. There's no Arturo Vidal on that list. Now, so just in that same vein, right? We talked about well, we don't know what these players are going to be like in four years. In that same vein, there is always, of course, the chance that somebody breaks out that we have no idea exists right now. Can you, four years ago, nobody, and I mean nobody, was out there talking about Kylian Mbappe contributing for France at the World Cup. Nobody. If you want to find me somebody that was great, nobody was talking about Mbappe four years ago. So that's the kind of thing that could happen now. Mbappe, a year ago at best, Mbappe is very much the exception, not the rule. But it does go to show that sometimes these people also do come out of nowhere. The reverse of sort of oh well, their best player fell off a cliff earlier than expected. Yeah, that I mean, could happen. There's there's people who who 
I think it is unlikely that within four years someone makes that kind of transition, but it usually you have some idea. Oh, they have some guy with some talent who's coming up. All right, one more uh, on the list of odds. The host, Qatar, 201. I think that's generous. All things considered, that might be generous. I'm surprised they even have a team. Leicester City was 5,000 to 1, and I know that people are probably never going to offer odds like that again because, you know, it happened. But, yeah, that's that's gold. Uh, if you want to bet on Qatar, be my guest. Who knows? Maybe they'll... Put down, yeah. put down $10 to get 2000 Maybe they'll conquer, like, eight countries and between now take and their, then... T- and take, take their players. Their, yeah, and then just do that. I don't know. But th- remember, this is a team that's worse than what we thought might have been one of the worst teams in the tournament, Saudi Arabia. Yes. A team that's significantly worse than that. That's that's crazy. And again, I, I think we should look back and say maybe Saudi Arabia wasn't the worst team in the tournament. But, um, yeah, like, this, this is a team that had... Is never going to qualify unless they host. Yeah, so that's that's where we are. Uh, that's we're going to put a bow on the 2018 World Cup and give out some more awards. Ah, they had their first half awards. Back. Here's our second half awards. We expected more of them. Award. This is uh, award goes to a team that um, I think we expected maybe to do a bit better, go a little bit further. Uh, for me, I'm going to put in uh, Brazil specifically against Belgium. Not an easy game, all things considered. But that was also a game they could have equalized several times through Coutinho. And Brazil versus France, I'm not so sure I give France the benefit of the doubt there so quickly. That would have been interesting, but I mean... Uh, you never know. But, you never know, but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I expected I think, a bit more of Brazil in this tournament. They never really were... They had they had moments in, game, in the group stage. They had moments where I thought, okay, this is the Brazil that I picked to win the tournament the whole... Every um, once in a while, but they weren't what they were in qualifying, where they breezed through a South American qualification that is very difficult. Yeah, that's true. Uh, mine goes to Spain, because Spain, they do make it out of the group. They had a couple scares. We, I, we talked about it after they lost to Russia, that I thought that Russia basically implemented the same game plan as the previous three teams did against them, and it finally knocked, gotten Spain knocked out of the tournament. But the thing is, for me, when we saw the way the bracket lined up for Spain, we thought, oh my goodness, they're in the, they're, they're in the clear. They should be. They should have been in the clear, and they they don't even get past Russia. I'm, uh, I I expected more. If if they kind of f- had figured out how what tiki taka really is, they could have tiki taka their way into the final. I think you know, not exactly you know guaranteed. Of course, we saw they lost to Russia, but yeah, That's we expected more go. from them than that. Yeah. Uh, okay. What if the things were different? Award. So I kind of look back and be like, oh, what's a what-if award? Yeah. For me, I want to say, what if Sweden had beaten England? I gave Sweden so much credit over this tournament, and I can't help but think, okay, you know, maybe the Sweden goalie saves one. Maybe there's, you know, goal doesn't go in. They bag one here or there. Pickford doesn't make a big save. Pickford, he has three massive saves. What if Sweden buries two of those? So it's 2-2. Maybe it goes to penalties. Sweden goes through because, you know, it's England. Now Sweden's in the semifinal against Croatia. I don't know, man. It's this That's a Sweden team that's difficult to beat. I don't think that Croatia gets those goals where... I don't think uh, Andreas Gromqvist is going to turn off the way John Stones did and let someone drift behind him. Just saying. Hmm. Sweden in the final? Some shame. Would have been cried. Right would have been at the death. wild. For me, I think I would have loved to have seen the way the tournament went if Argentina had scored at the death against France. Because it flips the entire tournament upside down. Oh my God! Imagine what would because Argentina ties the game at that point, and you you head into extra time. You France think, is also missing Mbappe and Griezmann at that point. They're France, missing some of their best. France, they subbed off some of their best players. France have just given up a big lead at literally the last kick of the game. They go into extra time. You just don't know, right? Messi may have finally found himself there because he was putting in some good balls at the end. 
So, and the, yeah, there was that last cross. I think it was Di Maria who stepped in front of two of his players to miss the shot. That goes in. Sure could have went in. I can't help but think Messi's goes, you know, Super Saiyan, so to speak, <laughs> and says, "All right, guys, come on, let's just do it. Come on, what are you doing?" Now that that could have that could have changed the whole tournament. Uh, but again, it's more of a fun what if. Uh, the breakout star of the tournament. For me, it's going to be the uh, Domagoj Vida, center back for Croatia. You remember him as the guy who has the horrendous haircut and is also not exactly the best looking human being out there. <laughs> so it's kind of a, kind of one of the weirder looking guys out there. But he was absolutely immense for Croatia. I know we discussed uh, the, you know, is Lovren really good? Is he actually good? Or is he kind of like, you know, this inconsistent question mark? And I can't help but think that Vita next to him has really been uh, a force there. And they've been two guys who have been strong, all things considered. Now, Lovren at Liverpool has already had a big team. Vita playing at Besiktas in the Turkish League. Wouldn't surprise me if a team mid-table, you know, in the Premier League says, he's quick, he's strong, he's a hard tackler. I He was good in the France game, made a lot of last-ditch tackles. He, I know he's 29, but he's, he's a breakout for me. Mine goes to the homer pick, it's Chucky Lozano, because I, when we talked about Mexico before the tournament, I mentioned that I thought he, I really thought he was their best player, and I really thought that if he could step up on this stage that Mexico had a real shot at progressing far in this tournament. Now, unfortunately for me, I was wrong about Chucky Lozano playing well enough to advance Mexico on his own because that didn't happen. But I thought he was tremendous. When they needed him to be good, needed him to be great, he was great. The goal against Germany, you know, it's not the... It's like the goal itself isn't all that great, but when you consider all the work that had gone into it, the amount of times he sprinted up and down the field due to Mexico's kind of style of waiting and waiting to hit a team on the counter as fast as possible... I, I really think he showed in this tournament that he is an elite level talent. Of he was exciting group. to watch, and it was I thought that the Mexican attack with him, kind of uh, Vela and Chicharito, were guys who you never knew when they were going to grab a goal. It's true they they were really good at just getting after you when you least expected it, and uh, you know it, it's not it's not the, like the the world's like most in depth pick. Like I, I actually kind of like the Vita one, but like it, people had already known that Lozano was like on the edge, on the verge of perhaps a bigger move. It gets talked about every now and again, and there's still rumblings out there. I'm thinking he may stay at PSV this time, and but he one could, more season. But that could have been the tournament that gives him a, a breakout move. I mean, we look back in past tournaments. James Rodriguez was at Porto, not exactly a small club before he became a breakout and went to Real Madrid. So we're not, these aren't exactly guys who are complete unknowns. That's true. It's hard to find one like that. that like, it's more rare than you think, but it, sometimes it is guys where you have to you know, you have to be like, oh, Porto, it's not a terribly small club, but you expect you know, him you to be. You knew he existed coming in, but you thought, okay, this is his chance to show that he's, he's, he's better than everyone realizes he is now. And they do it. And they do it. So and, that, like yeah. you said, Hamas last time. Uh, Mbappe wins like the young player of the world. I, I mean, duh. Easy pick, but I don't think he's duh. a breakout as a guy who – was hundreds of millions of dollars uh, transferred to PSG. Already, he's already showed out in the Champions League yeah, at an even younger semi- age. Semifinals with Monaco the year before. So uh, Then we're going to go to the Curse of the Fifth Game Award, speaking of Homer. For me, I know this is going to be a surprise, but it's going to be Colombia. Because this is a Colombian team that, at best, has gotten to the fifth game. And I think, all things considered, is a pretty talented side. I don't think we would consider them a final candidate in the past few years. They have Hamas this year, different thing against England. But so this year, knocked out in the round of 16. The previous World Cup, they get round knocked out in those quarterfinals to Brazil. And they haven't gotten further than that 
uh, in their entire history. Their other best finish was round of 16 in 1990. So You stole my pick. Uh, <laughs> I knew we should have talked about it before. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% in the sense that, like, if we're going to pick a team that just can't seem to get past that glass. That has a lot of talent. That has talent. It would probably be Columbia. Columbia themselves going through a pretty good phase of their own uh, talent coming through the system because they have some good players. And it just... Uh, we talked about it when they were eliminated. We're not sure. They could go either way. Uh, yeah. It certainly looks like they have one more run in them. I think they do. They do have young defense. Arias is that's, looking to be a good big. veteran A lot of these the teams never do. Yeri so. Mina and Davinson Sanchez were great. Um, my other pick was going to potentially be Uruguay, but they did have that fourth round, uh, f- that fourth place finish in the 2010 World Cup. But we, that is another team that's a good tournament team, but doesn't seem to get past... The quarterfinals outside of you know Diego Forlan's massive 2010 World Cup. Yeah. So then there's the most notable celebration, the one uh, that stood out to us the most. Okay. So this is gonna be one that maybe wasn't as expected because it wasn't the goal scorer, but Michi Batshuayi, after a Belgium goal, oh my punts the ball, goes in to get the ball, punts it off of the post and back out off of his face. <laughs> And it couldn't have happened. It was basically the guy you'd expect it to happen to, because I think Mitchie is kind of a you know happy go lucky bit of a goon. Uh, yeah, and it's just right off of his face. So, he's, a, he's having a ball there. Notable celebration. I can't say if it was bad or good. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, for me, I'm going with the Victor Moses flip. Strange, strange lack of flips in this tournament. All I, things. Maybe players are realizing that it's also a high, uh, high, high risk, low reward type of situation. <laughs> That's why I'm enjoying it. Victor, I mean, but he looks so graceful. He doesn't get to score that many goals, but here's the thing. That looks effortless. He made it look he, amazing. He, like, he just like jumps up like twice his height and just lands like so easily. Normally, you see flips, people kind of have to bend their knees and pull themselves up because it's it's a tough feat to do. So it's he basically jumps over the goal and could have done a flip. The celebration <laughs> better than the goal itself because it wasn't the greatest looking penalty. But... doesn't matter. It does. Yeah. Goal's a goal, flips a flip. Speaking of penalties, who was there were some good penalties and then there were some awful penalties. Who was the worst penalty for you? So I I know that when you think about this one, maybe it doesn't come directly to mind in terms of the being the the you know the worst situation to miss a penalty. Saw a couple penalty shootout misses where you think, oh, you, if you you're in a shootout, you, oh come on, this is high stakes. But it's Christian Cueva in Peru's first game against Denmark. I think if he buries that goal and gives Peru a lead, and this is when he skies, wasn't off the bar, it wasn't like a, just a foot wide, he absolutely launches it into the stratosphere. This is one where I think if they do it, they score this, they have a ch- they beat they beat Denmark in this game. And if they beat Denmark, they're on the fast track to the round of 16, and then anything can happen. We did play a FIFA tournament where Peru was our <laughs> simulated <laughs> That's champions. That's true, we, we've had an interesting FIFA tournament. That... Uh, here at the uh, intern house. So, uh, that that for me, in terms of just being so far off and what it could have meant, was for the worst penalty. For me, I'm going with small offs. The one he he, he goes out. <laughs> that is such a bad penalty. He goes out there and he goes for a chip, already uh, bold enough, but then he puts it in one direction, and then it, it is just so bad. Everything about this guy's last 10-15 minutes of that game against Croatia was horrendous. It is and it was so bad. So perfectly highlighted by that. Okay, he tries to chip it. He goes it's, for a chip. It's not even a panenka. It's just like, a, I'm going to try to dink this. Now, normally, the technique when you go for a chip is you kind of want to shoot a little bit higher so if the goalie dives, it goes over him. And you shoot it down the middle so that when they dive, they can't get to it. It's behind them. What he does 
is he picks a side. He shoots it to the left side, the goalie's right, and doesn't put it high, he puts it low. So Subasic is on the ground waiting. It's not like he, he lands as he saves it. He's on the ground waiting, and he just sticks his <laughs> hand up and just kind of taps it away as the ball's coming no, in. It's just Dreadful. Like, it's, it is, oh, I, was, I was up in arms, not even my team. I can't even imagine if someone on a team I was rooting for did that. So I, to get me up in arms for a guy I'm not, I don't even really care all that much for was just absurd. The, the thing that you pointed out at the time that I thought was hilarious was if this one goes in, it would have bounced in. Yeah, that's how bad of a chip it was. And that's the thing. We look, I mean, Rakitic was two for two in penalty shootouts. They weren't good. If the goalie guessed right, those are saved, but people give Rakitic credit because he's, he scored them, and that's, score what, that's what matters. It doesn't matter if it's, I mean, it kind of matters if it's a bad penalty, but it just has to go in, really. A good penalty saved is still saved. Sure. If the goalie goes the wrong way here, people go, oh, the, the audacity. This guy's got nerves of steel. That, yeah. Instead, you look at him, you say, that is, you suck. That is bad. <laughs> Very bad. Shame on you, small offer, bringing disgrace Shame. to you in your country. Uh, finally, best goal of the tournament. Now, this one, I think, note. is got to be undisputed. Oh, That's not good. not true. But Nacho, uh, Nacho Fernandez, I believe he just goes by Nacho for Spain. Nacho. Um, he has the original outside of the boot, right back, slicing <laughs> shot that goes outside of the post back in. Uh, from the right side for me. Ball comes across outside the box. He slices across it. So much curve, so much spin. Comes outside of the post, off the in- back inside, off the inside, and into the goal. What a phenomenal strike that was. And in the situation against Portugal, where he had not exactly had the best game uh, defensively, was a real force offensively. It was uh, the technique on it. It was great. It was it was an absolutely great, uh, great shot by him. And it was hard-pressed for me to find a better one. But I, I, I guess I'll take a little bit more circumstance into in, mine, and I'll go with Cristiano Ronaldo's free kick against Spain. I mean, it is literally all on the line at this point for them. And to just bend in this free kick after having already scored twice in this game, once thanks to David De Gea, but nonetheless, having scored twice in this game already. No one thanks having, to Nacho. Having th- have, just dragging yourself back into the game. It's not an easy free kick. It's and Ronaldo, who we've made fun of before for you know taking all the free kicks. He's and not a great free kick taker. For a guy who takes as many free kicks as he does, he has like a ten percent conversion rate. So it is. Everyone's watching. I mean, I'm I'm outside at the watch party. Everyone's like on edge, and I look over to the guy standing next to me, who we've been having a conversation about the game, and I say to myself, you know what, Ronaldo, or I say to him, Ronaldo's not great at free kicks. That was what I was saying. I forgot who I was watching with, but I was like, you know, Ronaldo's not very good but, at free kicks. But I also no one else is taking I qualified it. it with, but he's going to score this one. I can feel it. And he just he runs up and he blasts this thing around the wall into the top corner. He leaves De Gea as a statue. It's it's a phenomenal. It's a phenomenal strike. And so for me, it's the one I'm going to remember. I know Benjamin Pavar's has been yeah. kind of one that's gotten the most credit so far. As, as it so much deserves. It's a great, it's a great And one. given, you know, it's a young kid getting his... Basically, first in a chance game. to be playing with France, coming in being that big. I think it's similar to Nachos, but those are those are three that if you go like you know whatever your favorite sport channel is and you look at for the best World Cups of the best goals of the World Cup, those three will probably be somewhere in the in the top ten. Guaranteed. Yeah, that uh, goal by Cherry Chev. He had a couple he bangers had, in this. He tournament. had a couple really good ones. So you got that. You, you, yeah. That's that's where we are. So the tournament has come to an end, and uh, we're putting it to bed because um, you know it all started. I wanted to bring this up because I, I find it absolutely hilarious. Because World Cup qualifying, the first World Cup qualifier for this one started 
March 12, 2015, in Asia, between Timor-Leste and Mongolia. Oh, what a cracker that is. The Mongolians will be looking to get back at Timor-Leste after what happened last time to them. Uh, I don't know what they did. This is it's a ridiculous game. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I don't know about everyone listening, but I had an absolutely wonderful time with the World Cup. I think we should change our name to the World Cup Soccer Show and only do qualifiers. <laughs> only do qualifiers? Well, until the World Cup comes around and then we do the World Cup again. So that would... stick around for four more years before we actually, you know, really get back into the swing no, of things. Well, I mean, World Cup, so my whole point in saying that was that... It's I never mean, over. I mean, it doesn't. This stuff. It's kind of funny to think about, but like, it's a four year. It's four years in the making. It really is because so you know there might be changes in terms of dates because this next one's going to be a little later. Eh, probably not much given that this thing takes so long as it is. We'll see. Uh, th- that qualifier, like I said, March 2015. That's not. That's barely six months after the last. The body wasn't even cold yet. And, <laughs> and they're already. And we're already playing. They're the already Cup. sculpting out the next World Cup trophy, getting it ready. Yeah. So. Um, that's Same, it. World Cup, like soccer, never ends. Yeah, it's true. it's once it ends, it's starting up again shortly after in a few weeks, and that's why I think it's part of why we love it. It's true. Nonstop. And so, with that said, it's time for uh, a new a new cycle to begin, which means we can finally move on. The night in Trinidad is officially in the rearview mirror because I don't it think is it can now. ever be. Well, thirty for thirty is incoming. Well, whatever the case is, it, it's it's time to move on. It's a new cycle. It's a new chance for every country in the world to enter and try to qualify chance and for kids, start all over. Chance for dreams to be made a reality, dreams to be crushed. <laughs> uh, for most people, dreams crushed. Yeah. But for a lot of people, you know, maybe we'll see a new team making their first appearance, a new surprise. We had Panama this time making their first appearance. So uh, it's always full of uh, drama and excitement. But and to return to normalcy for the American Soccer Show as we get right. back into American Soccer that's right. We're going back to MLS, which um, will be interesting, I'm sure. We've missed a lot. We've missed a lot. We have uh, missed a lot. I don't uh, think we'll to, be able to go back over it. Well, we're not going back over it. We'll uh, we'll kind of talk about the crazy things that have happened since we've been gone. But, like, you know, Raheem Edwards signed for the Chicago Fire today. Just today, yeah. Just today. That's big news for the Fire. Uh, a lot has changed. Orlando City has a new coach. U.S. Open Cup US tomorrow. U.S. Open Cup. A lot of, perhaps a chance to set up the third American Soccer Show Cup. After, uh, I mean, I think this one puts everything on the line. Yeah, it would. It would absolutely that, be Because that would be a line. semifinal, the chance to get into the final. I think it would put the other two to, doesn't matter what happens in the first two. If you if it gets you into a final, ah, it's massive. Massive. So that's where we're going. Back to, uh, as they say, the roots. And that's basically, yeah, that's all we got. Anyway, that's all the time we have here on the American Soccer Show. Last episode of our World Cup edition don't forget to look back and see what other amazing things we've said about the World Cup before things have happened. I know you'll find some amazing takes. If you are listening still at this point, send us your thoughts. Uh, you know, find us on Twitter. Find us on email and Facebook. Ask, send us some questions, whatever you want. Tell us you know, you think we're knuckleheads, anything like that. But that's all the time we have here. Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantar signing off for the last time in the World Cup.